0: If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and needing a helping hand or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your Cut Flower Woman. Welcome. To the Cut Flower Podcast. So today, I would like to welcome my guest, Richard Claxton. Now, Richard has a very long CV. So he's a GP by day. He's a garden designer. He's a gardener and has health, and is particularly interested in health. He's a trustee of Green Fingers Charity. He's a curator of a web-based directory of therapeutic gardens. Oh my goodness! And I know I came across you, Richard. About you've, um, you're going to be a speaker at Propagating Green, which we'll talk about a bit later on. So tell us a little bit about where did it all begin? It seems like a many hats and a very busy life.
1: Um, uh, lockdown, lockdown. So much, so much, so much changed for so many of us in lockdown, didn't it? Um, I had uh, always, always been aware of gardening as massively big for me uh, in terms of my own mental and physical well-being. Um, And I had uh, through lockdown, um, I was working as normal in the surgery, um, but uh, none of us could do anything else really in our spare time. Could we Except spend time outside? And it was so gorgeous. Um, That spring of 2020. Um, and uh, and so I I started thinking, well, how can I actually maximise this? And and I thought when I eventually hung up my stethoscope, I might end up doing something in gardens or garden design. But um, I thought, why wait? Um, I think lockdown. Uh, I don't want to be too too dark or gloomy, uh, but lockdown made lots of us in the medical profession um, who are facing significant risks every, every day, uh, things. And I thought, well, if I want to do that when I retire, why am I waiting? Um, so I decided to, uh, to do it anyway. Um, and, um, things have kind of snowballed since then because I, I then set up the website, um, to help people find out about therapy gardens around them, um, Uh, did a garden redesign at our local hospice, um, which has been fabulous and really good experience for me and lovely to see it's now finished. Um, I started volunteering at Sissinghurst um, and raising money for Greenfingers and then became a trustee, as you say. Um, (laughs) And and since then, the real direction of travel for me has been about... um, focusing on green therapies as uh, I know they work for my patients. I know they work for me. Um, uh, I know that there's lots of evidence from studies, um, both quantitative and qualitative in terms of feedback and anecdotes and stories and from my patients of the benefit that they've got. So uh, that's where the impetus for the conference came. So we wanted to create a forum in which we could make people start to think about green therapies as a core thing that should be everyone's right to access and ever, available everywhere, not just where there happens to be a brilliant garden around the corner from you. So the focus of the conference is, is looking ahead and making uh, making that a reality, both in community care... Uh, so primary care like me as a GP, community gardens, but also in, in hospital settings as well. So uh, that's a that's a, a quite a long answer to a short question. Uh, I'll try and make the other <laughs> No, no, no.
0: It's just so fascinating. I've been interested in this whole mental health and gardening for a long time. I mean, I've been a flower farmer for 12 years, and, and I've seen in the last, since COVID, actually, I've seen, and COVID, you know, was was good in that respect that it opened the eyes to therapeutic gardens and it opened your eyes to being green and it opened your eyes to getting out more but it's interesting about access to gardens isn't it about i I know you've created a web-based directory which we can talk about therapeutic gardens what what is that does that mean that people can access what's a therapeutic garden so
1: um a uh, there's a huge range of different different kinds of gardens around and about um, but as a GP in my consulting room, I wanted to have a resource available to me that would tell me uh, what was going on in my neighbourhood um, from a gardening point of view, uh, and not just gardening, passive kind of exposure to gardening, community gardens or allotments, but actually therapeutic gardening. So that's that. Those are gardens where there's a clear intent and a process. And dare I say it, not wanting to uh, bury anyone with NHS bureaucracy, <clears throat> but a process of quality assurance as well. So that um, you could, if you were a GP or a social prescriber or a practice nurse or a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist or a local branch of Age UK or a, uh, a dementia clinic or anything, you could, you could look at the website and say, right, we're in this neck of the woods. We can zoom in on a map and see which gardens are there. And um, the, the, the map is, is kind of populated by a little green flower for each uh, garden. And if you click on the green flower, uh, it takes you to a hyperlink to the, to the website of that garden or the Facebook group of that garden. Um, so, the, so, so it's partly for referrers like myself. Uh, but it's partly for you know, yeah. for example, if if you Ros wanted to start to volunteer with your horticultural experience, you wanted to volunteer in a local yeah. garden, you might use it to find out what was around you, uh, or if someone was wanting help themselves, didn't want to uh, go down a more medical route through through their GP, uh, but they wanted to 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 maybe be be referred or self refer to a therapy garden. Uh, then they can access that information that way too. Um, the one thing I would add is that as a resource, it's entirely dependent on everyone looking at it and telling me when there's something wrong or when there's something missing. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's uh, anyone's interested, please do have a look um, and tell me if in their neck of the woods they know of something that I haven't included um, because it's entirely based on Uh, audience participation if that makes sense
0: it absolutely does so what is a therapeutic garden I mean obviously I'm a flower farmer and I'm farming over two and a half acres what makes mine not a therapeutic garden but something else What, what what are the what's the definition of a therapeutic garden okay
1: so so um it's 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 over and above the kind of passive benefit that you get from spending time outside it's over and above the the, the, the kind of um, the the uh, the 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 the. If if it, it's kind of more, so if there are people who are trained in therapeutic horticulture, um, and we're getting into quite a grey area, because there's a lot of um, different levels of training, and there's a lot of different organizations who are providing this um, but what they all have in common is uh, some training and some quality assurance uh, all the right protocols in place for health and safety risk management um, the uh, uh, DBS checks so that so that people are, are safe to work with vulnerable people um, and they will have a process of making an assessment at the beginning of a, of a course of treatment. And it's, it really is equivalent to a treatment like a course of cognitive behavioural therapy for depression or a, a course of antidepressants or a day centre that's providing ongoing occupational therapy for someone with dementia. It's, it is equivalent to that. It is as rigorous as that. And it is as important within those gardens that they therefore demonstrate their their quality control and their procedures, so that everything is um, everything is there is quality assurance, so that people can go there with confidence, knowing that it's not just something that's happening on the back of a fag packet. It's it's actually planned and yeah. proper and equivalent. So that, for example, if your GP recommends it, your GP can only recommend it if. They know that there's been diligence and and uh, a rigor in setting up that garden. Um, so so the gardens around uh, around the country mainly are charities. There are some social enterprises, um, and they've happened through um, uh, amazing people doing amazing work um, and and learning as they go, uh, and usually funded by local local communities uh, raising money for them. Um, so, uh, But they vary. They're, they're, some of them look like an RHS garden. So Bridgewater, uh, the RHS garden, is at the uh, kind of, dare I say, at Waitrose end of the spectrum, um, as, <laughs> yeah. we, as we all know if you've been to an RHS garden. So, so Bridgewater has a dedicated community therapeutic garden there, and they've employed people. Who have qualifications um, to work with vulnerable people, as well as working with a horticultural um, basis. And then there are smaller charities uh, who have a, a spare patch of of land, and they're they they they're doing it with um, again with qualified people and with appropriate protocols, so that people can go there in the confidence that they know they're getting something that has some logic and evidence, and rigor, and science—small less science—behind uh, it that will benefit them.
0: Wow! Now I completely understand it. My, my I've got a daughter who is a, um, a psychotherapist, and um, her specialism is working with adolescents with addictions. So you could call it anorexia or bulimia, or all of the, or shopping addiction, or whatever happens to be an addiction. And she herself uh, was an anorexic. And she spent a little bit of time in Amy Winehouse's house, which is in Hackney. Because I think Amy Winehouse had a charity and set up the place in Hackney. And I think if you were a, a woman between the ages of 18 and 23 and were in recovery, you could go and have a flat there, which is exactly what Holly did. And Holly and I worked on the gardens there, just as sort of something to do. It was, it was a mess. It was There was nothing there, really. And the, the, we could visibly see the change in people by getting out in the garden. And that sort of sparked my interest way back in the whole therapeutic gardens. And I just, I just think it's just beginning, like people are just becoming aware now. And, I mean, you are ahead of the game when you talk about things like social prescribing and having a website. I mean, I can't imagine there are many GPs that you would go and visit and they would say... Well would you look, you know what you really need to do is go and visit try gar you know gardening or get out in a the therapeutic garden or not I think it's still got quite a way to go i think
1: i think it has but 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 the good news is that even if the g p uh doesn't think of it um there is a social prescriber now attached to every practice so um in in having a holistic conversation with the patients um it may be that the the GP signposts people to the the social prescriber who knows about what garden options are available what therapeutic horticultural options are available locally um, and and uh, uh, and so I and, and to be honest it doesn't I think we, we need to get away from the fact that it's the GP that holds all the cards in this because this is a uh, uh, a, a kind of modality of treatment that should be available through any avenue. Um, and, and I don't think there should be a, a restriction on that. But for me as a GP, it's, it's a game changer. You know, if I, if I describe to you a typical patient who comes to me with, um, let's just say, mild, moderate depression uh, or anxiety or a combination of those, and they've often thought of coming to me um and put it off maybe it's been uh oh I don't I don't I don't yeah. want to go because it kind of number one it validates my problem uh number two uh it and and therefore makes it seem somehow bigger than it than I thought it was um and besides what what's he going to offer me he's just going to reach for a prescription or put me on some ridiculously long waiting list for NHS talking therapies And so it's just lovely to be to be able to be broaching a kind of third dimension of treatment option to people uh, in green therapy terms, and uh, um, and it's extraordinary the number of people for whom that's like a a a revelation, Um, and the feedback we're getting when people have been through that program is 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 immense. It's just that's the best evidence there is for me yeah
0: it's amazing i think it's (coughs) amazing and um yeah i um you're right about volunteering at at a therapeutic center would be really interesting and i know there's lots of courses out there you can go and do in green therapies and become qualified and all of that and i think thrive have have quite a few on their
1: website Thrive have really good courses on their website Um, to get started with um, there's also, there, you can take it up to degree level at, uh, I think it's Warwick. Um, uh, so, so there's, there's, there's a, uh, a whole range of different um, courses you can do, but the Thrive Online ones are the, are the place to start for anyone who's, who's interested in dipping their toes in the water here. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: small business, do reels get you reeling? Is SEO just a three letters put together? Content planning something you know you should be doing, but just never get around to it. Do join our growth club online. What is it? It's a supportive community. It's all about growing your business. It provides trainings and guest speakers join us every month. Is it time to work on your business and not in it? The link for more information is in the show notes. it's quite interesting because I I um, run courses to teach flower farmers how to be more profitable and how to do flower farming and in fact they're usually at the beginning of their journey and I did one in the middle of August and one of the candidates was a GP in fact and had got to the stage where she started to think there was more to life after Covid and that she was really wanted to get involved in in therapeutic and how she could combine being a GP and being involved in therapeutic gardens yeah. so this podcast will be really useful I hope for her, so. um, in terms of where she moves yeah.
1: no i hope so I and mean, there's quite a few gps that i'm in touch with through social media and instagram who are who are engaging with this more and more um so yeah and hopefully uh, some of them will be at the conference in october um and and that will enable some momentum together um What well, i would say um is that I've, I've painted quite a complicated picture of the kind of range of gardens out there. Um, but the good news is that Thrive uh, and its equivalent charity organisation north of the border in Scotland, which is called the Trellis Network, Thrive and Trellis are joining forces. And they're going to be talking about this at the conference uh, to create a national association of therapeutic horticulture. Um, so, so that will give people a little bit more of a kind of uh, a, a guide to see what's around there and who's doing what. So, um, yeah, um, that that will be helpful. That's brilliant.
0: It's just about people knowing that it's there and getting access and a lot of that's responsible is PR and getting it out there. Yeah. So you're having a conference, I know, because I've signed up to the online streaming version of it because um, <laughs> I will be sitting in my hospital bed after a knee replacement. And um, so the 9th of October, tell us more about the conference because I signed up to the online streaming and I shall be watching it. So yes. um, tell us more about what it's about, who who it's
1: for. So it's being organised by myself and uh, Annie Gilfoyle, who you may know of. She's uh, half of the the team at Garden Masterclass. Um, And Maggie Haynes. And Maggie Haynes is the CEO at Tuppany Barn, which is the venue for the conference. So it's a a community garden that does uh, therapeutic gardening work. Uh, just outside Chichester in West Sussex. Um, and they've got a beautiful building that's going to house the conference. Um, we've got a morning of stories and good practice from around the country uh, with speakers such as Maggie herself. Um, and and uh, you may remember uh, Arit Anderson did a um, a visit to Tuppeny Barn on Gardener's World in, I think it was March, April this year. Um, and in particular, yes, there was yes. uh, extraordinary interviews with two uh, schoolgirls. Uh, there must have been about 11 or 12 uh, as part of the young carers group that that Maggie runs there. So that's an example of the good work that they're doing. So she's talking. Uh, Sue Stewart-Smith uh, is talking. She, yeah. she wrote The Well-Garden Mind. Um, we've got Steve Brine, who's the MP, who is... Uh, currently the chair of the Commons Health Select Committee. Um, and we've got uh, Callie Hamilton Stove who runs Glasshouse Botanics, which does work with um, uh, uh, women at open prison in Kent, uh, teaching them horticulture and healing them through horticulture as they get towards the end of their sentences. Uh, and uh, Keeley Siddiqui, uh, Siddiqui Chadwick, who runs the Sunnyside Rural Trust, uh, which is a nursery in Hertfordshire uh, that is a commercially viable nursery and feeds um, show gardens, for example, with plants. But they do work with um, a lot of uh, employees uh, who have learning disabilities and, and various health problems. And then in the afternoon, we're looking at the way forward to make things more of a kind yeah. of universal availability. Um, so we've got Olivia Chapel, who is the chair of trustees at Horatio's Garden, um, and my. She's been on my podcast. Yes, you. <laughs> Olivia the... has. Yes, yes She's have. Horatio's mum. Yeah. Uh, and um, then we've got um, myself talking in the afternoon. Um, we've got people from the National Academy of Social Prescribing uh, coming to talk, and they have uh, created um, something called the Green Social Prescribing Toolkit. Um, and we've got, uh, last but not least, I don't think I've missed anyone. Um, uh, we've got Fiona Thackeray, who, who runs Trellis that I've mentioned already, the Scottish charity. And she's going to talk about this national association. And the whole day is going to be hosted by Arit Anderson, um, one of the gardeners well presenters. So, um, uh, yeah. unfortunately, we're sold out for in-person tickets, oh, no.
0: um,
1: <laughs> but, but we, we are selling online tickets. So um, I don't know if I can post a link in this or something.
0: You absolutely can. And what I'll be doing afterwards is, I've got a number of closed Facebook groups, and I've obviously got an email um, list as well. I think my audience is about 35,000. Oh, wow. So, of people interested in cut flowers. Yeah. So, and, and this podcast is, gets seen by 15,000 a month. Really? So, so, that not to scare you. No. you know? So, um, I will put the links in all the groups yes. um, after this podcast today and um and then i will share it on my instagram of which i i think there were 17 and a half thousand in there so let's get as many people online now watching the stream i don't is there a maximum no there's no there's no there's no there's no limit mine? to the
1: online streaming um so uh yeah no the, mo- the more the better um and it's uh not not for profit venture so anything uh, anything that that is left over will get ploughed back into services provided at Tuffany Barn, um, so yeah. uh, so that's good. Um, but yes, and and if if you can also share the link to the website, my gardening for health website, that would be great.
0: So I will, so as promised, I will put it in all our groups and I will use the link. I use the link that's Tuppany Barn, don't I, that, that can buy the tickets from there. That's what I did with mine.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you just so that there's no, yes, no please. doubt. It's a, um, it's, it's one that says online in it yes. somewhere. If
0: you share but that link uh, with me, then I will share it around. No, that would be really good. I'm absolutely passionate about the whole subject. So and I mean I would have come to the conference but I shall be in the London Bridge hospital but I will be watching it. So because <laughs> I have bought my online ticket already. So who inspires you who who gets you up in the morning gets you it, what inspires you to do this have you got some really great case studies of people like say people come come to you and have you've seen the results um, and I think you know conversations about mental health are much bigger now you know I look at when my daughter had anorexia when she was 14 she's now 24 it it wasn't really talked about and it certainly I didn't understand it as an addiction I didn't really understand what was happening and I think parents didn't really understand what was happening so I think that there's come a long way an awful long way in 10 years but obviously still got a long way to go but, you know, what What gets you up in the morning goes, okay, now I'm off again and I'm gonna be my GP, which I have to say, hats off, pretty tough job. A lot of my friends are GPs and it's pretty tough. So, and, and tough in COVID, I'm really hats off in that too. So, you know, what, what inspires you to keep going?
1: Stay with us, we'll be right back.
0: The new Plants of Distinction Autumn Catalogue is now available and contains over a 1,000 different flower and vegetable seeds with over 150 new and exciting varieties added this year alone. Cut flowers in an extensive array of individual colours are a speciality and added to this are many unusual annual and perennial seeds together with the hard to find heritage favourites. So if you're looking for something a little different, be it choice cutting flowers, suitable for both fresh and dried arrangements or cottage garden and container growing varieties you need look no further. You can download or request a copy of the new autumn catalogue by visiting the website plantsofdistinction.co.uk where an exclusive 30% discount is available to all podcast listeners when ordering seeds by using the discount code CUTFLOWER30.
1: um i think i think uh about four or five years ago i was working as a five day a week g p um uh which is um relatively unusual now um because of the caseload and the the workload and the stress involved and 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 i dropped down uh to basically to protect myself from latent severe burnout um and I dropped down so I now have a day off in the week which is my Wednesday which is why I'm talking to you today (laughs) and so uh that has been a complete game changer for me because it's kind of saved me uh in both respects it's saved my love for the general practice work because it just takes a little bit of the heat out of my week and it means that I have I have remained in love with doing what I do in my day job. Um, but it's also given me the energy and the time to be able to do this other stuff, which makes my I don't wanna to sound too cheesy, but it it it, it makes my heart sing. Yeah. The, the the fact that I can I can do something meaningful that people appreciate and and warm to um and it's it's just comes easily because it makes such perfect sense it's not like it's a um it, it it it's it's kind of it to a lot of people it sounds revolutionary but to me it's kind of well <laughs> why wouldn't you um because i've always maintained my own well-being through this way and then you get feedback from patients. So I'll tell you one story about a patient of mine who has who um, been very ill for a long time with um, uh, uh, mental health problems and subsequent to that, developed significant physical health problems through being very overweight. Um, mental, pro- mental, health, mental health problems began with severe anxiety and depression in school Um, and uh, now 15 to 20 years later, um, up until last year, remained. So the pattern of school refusal started way back because of the the anxiety and depression, and that just rolled forward into an adult life confined to home um, with very little exercise, very little fresh air, um, significant uh, morbidity through obesity, through secondary uh, high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes. And we're talking about someone in their 20s, yeah. um, late 20s. Um, and, uh, and repeatedly over the years trying to engage with him and trying to help him. But the, the, the sort of more conventional medical secondary care services frankly letting him down um and him not really engaging with them because they weren't speaking to him and what makes him tick um and uh and we um through our Tunbridge um therapy garden project have seen him complete a 10 week course of garden therapy um and uh he's back into the room sort of psychologically as well as physically he's engaging with our processes to manage his weight and his his diabetes he's enthusiastic he's thinking about horticultural uh, career options that might develop through it and his life is completely changed yeah. and and that speaks to the kind of holistic Of what we're doing um in terms of uh it's not just about the one issue with him it's about all the issues and and with a therapy garden in a town it's not just about the individuals coming through it but it's about the community benefit and it's about the biodiversity and the ecological benefits to it um and and the the community cohesion that happens when you get people volunteering together in a project as well. <coughs> and I also think there's a dimension for the volunteers who maybe aren't the patients, um, but we're all going to be patients sooner <laughs> or later, whether or not we like it. And uh and and the volunteers get a sort of a a sort of a byproduct benefit in terms of healthier choices, healthier lifestyles, um, and healthier mental well-being through them as well, because they're getting a buzz from the altruism of doing what they're doing. That makes them feel good, uh, but they may also be getting a little bit more gentle exercise than they otherwise would, or um, their self-esteem and their their mental well-being benefiting too. So it's a kind of you say what what makes me get up in the morning it's it's when I think about stuff like that it's a kind of it's not just a win win it's a win 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 there's win no win loss. win yeah, yeah, there's no, just yeah. multiple wins and and no loss and uh and it it also begins to start to address things like food production locally and um and the 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 climate uh climate change crisis that we that we face so we've got a, a glut of spuds from our allotment project from our therapy allotment project that's gone to the local food bank and things like that just you can't really put a price on the 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 momentum that that's uh, the, the the buzz that that gives you and the momentum that's gathering around things like that so it's great
0: i think definitely the momentum's happening and you know covid was an accelerator for sure and that's when I started teaching people online to have their own cutting patches. And what I realised was I just thought I was going to teach people to cut flowers. didn't mean to think very much about it. We were going to run an eight-month course. Started in February. was going to go to the end of October. But then actually what dawned on me was actually this was changing people's lives. And so I wrote a book. Actually, I wrote a book called Seed to Vase, And it was about people in COVID. And I interviewed 20-odd people um, through the life of the course and how it had changed their lives by gardening so it was very it went from people who um who had anxiety and sort of all the way right for people who suffer bereavement and all the and anything in between um, we had somebody who was um an ex-lawyer and a very high highly paid lawyer had ms couldn't be a lawyer anymore through the years as years went on so sat a community garden in durham actually and managed to get hundreds of volunteers, and she set up this whole new project and she was massively engaged and it changed her life. It absolutely changed her life because here was somebody who was now in a wheelchair who had had a high corporate job and now thinking, okay, what next? And it massively changed her life. And so for me, the biggest thing was, oh my goodness. Oh, oh, I hadn't quite realized this. I thought I was just gonna teach people to grow flowers. This is fairly simple, really. And it just wasn't. It was so much more than
1: that. Hmm. No, it's 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 massive, and it's. I keep kind of pinching myself that it's just. There's no. There's no sense to anyone that you're not doing anything but pushing at an open door because everyone opens the doors and they smile and they say, "Yeah, what a brilliant idea." So it's um uh it's been a lovely journey for me.
0: Yeah. You might inspire me to go and volunteer. I'm like thinking, right? Am I going to have a look at this website and see where I can volunteer? And I can volunteer and teach people how to do it and just help people, you know. Who then? And for me, you know, my life has been in corporate as well before I was in gardening. If you like, I it would be great to teach anybody who wanted to take it further and do something with it, you know, and go get a job or whatever that might be. So you might inspire me, Richard. This could be quite dangerous. What next? You know, what next? You've obviously a trustee of Green Fingers Charity. What do they do? What does Green Fingers do?
1: Green Fingers is a charity that um, uh, exists to fund and build gardens uh, at children's hospices around the country. Um, wow! So uh, it it kind of coordinates the garden designers with the with the hospices and. Um, there's a lot I'm learning I, I started at the beginning of this year so I'm it's a steep learning curve but there's a lot of uh of thought that goes into it and coordination um it, the costs are obviously of paramount importance there's a lot of fundraising that that goes on um and it and it fits brilliantly for me because it's kind of like the the healthcare. I was a pediatrician before I was a GP um and the garden design it's sort of a combination of of all all of those worlds. So that's uh it suits brilliantly. And they're just brilliant people, they're lovely people who work there and the other trustees. So um so that's been great.
0: Yeah it's quite interesting because when I spoke to Olivia Chapel we were talking about the gardens designed in hospitals because obviously she does it in spinal units. And all the considerations you have to take into account because it's not just at one level you're gardening, you're gardening at different levels because Of the patients and then the people coming to see the patients and then and then the amount that has to go into the design to make it work yeah and that's kind of the same in a hospice isn't it it's the same environment it's kind of like what have you what what can you put in Um, yeah and what inspires a child
1: yeah no absolutely but it's not just the the kids there's there's um a need in those kind of green spaces to think about the Uh, the family Uh, so you may have quite a disabled child uh, but a very able-bodied sibling or two um, and they may be younger Um, then you've got the the parents you've got grandparents who may be visiting spending significant time there and also the staff and the volunteers so it's really important to have green space for them as well um, to uh, be able to sometimes when things feel a bit much for them to have somewhere peaceful and restful and tranquil as a uh, uh, as an escape for them. So uh, they're they they're brilliant and they because it's quite high profile charity and uh, and the um, the garden designers who they um, they approach and they fund to do the work all do it for um, a brilliant brilliant reasons but but also really good publicity for them um so it's all it's all fabulous really it's high-end stuff and it works wonders and to see the difference it makes to hospices and the the children and families that use them is is really inspiring
0: so is the dream that there's a garden in every hospice in the uk every children's hospice in the uk
1: yeah absolutely for sure um and uh and it's been going long enough that it's now actually redoing some of the gardens that it's done before, so um you know, a couple of decades later um so that's fantastic. Um, I think uh um, the 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 hospice gardens and the Horatio's garden gardens. And I think the Maggie Center's gardens in oncology units around the country are, 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 are the only kind of inpatient unit gardens that that we have on a standard kind of um, widespread model. Um, and there's an awful lot of inpatient work that goes on in this country that that doesn't allow. Fresh air, green space. Um, so so you asked me what's next? That's that's the goal, to have to have uh, a um, a universality of provision in hospitals and in communities for green therapies, um, uh, and I think there's there's increasing evidence that that if you um, if you spend money wisely on on gardens and green therapies and therapeutic horticulture, you see a massive return on your investment in reduced core healthcare costs, um, and that's as I say before you even factor in the 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 side effects, the 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 byproduct benefits of ecology and community and cohesion, and the benefit preventative benefit to the people who are working there and the volunteers too. So yeah.
0: Wow. Well, I hope today you've inspired some of our listeners. You've certainly inspired me to go and have a quick look around. And oh. please do send those links over to me as I promise that I will share them. Because the more yeah, people I... that obviously buy the online, the better, you know, now, in order that yep. um, the fact you sold out fairly early is a great testament to actually who you've got in the lineup. Yep. to be honest. Um, yeah. And so if you send me the link to the conference on the 9th of October, that would be fab.
1: Brilliant. Yes, I will do. I'll do that immediately. i sign off.
0: Thank you. So, Richard, I want to thank you for coming to visit us and saying hello. And I've learned a tremendous amount today. Um, and I want to thank you for your time.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, Ros. Thank you so much for having me and for helping me spread the word. That's terrific.
0: Lovely. Thank you. I look forward to next week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app. We do have some wonderful free resources on our website at thecutflowercollective.co.uk. We also have two free Facebook communities, which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business, and our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.